What's up? Dude, I'm pumped y'all are here. Y'all pumped you're here? Uh, I just want to show of hands. If, I, if you were here Tuesday night, I just want to see your hand, hand raised. All right, come to prayer, and then they don't come Sunday. Okay. So, dude, son, I mean, Tuesday, if this, is, if this is your first time here, or you've been on vacation for the last three months, or, you know, whatever, playing hooky in the summertime, uh, I want you guys to know something. There's something awesome happening here at Harvest Cove right now. Something just, uh, just an amazing thing. The Lord really put something on our hearts a few weeks ago. Uh, we just kind of looked into the world. We looked into our nation. We looked into our, our government. We just looked into the culture, and we said, you know what? There's a lot of chaos right now. There's just a lot of things that aren't, uh, aren't going well, and we are in desperate need more than we probably ever have been in the history of our country in need of God. And so we just uh, said, I'm breathing heavy because I just picked that up and moved that on the stage. Um, <sighs> Give me a second. I haven't been in the gym in a while. <laughs> but... Uh, and we just, we really felt like in our hearts that, you know, the Lord was leading us to, to seek God. And what we felt like that uh, it's not hopeless, that there's tons of hope, uh, but all of that hope lies in Christ. And so we just decided we we're going to spend 21 days and we we're just going to seek the face of God and we we're going to pray together. And um, if all you guys remember that first Sunday, we all came down here and we prayed and it was just one of the most powerful moments I've ever uh, been a part of. It was just, it was, an, it was a crazy, amazing thing. And we, uh, we started last Sunday, um, 21 days of prayer and we've been, uh, uh, all of us have been praying uh, 5, 10, 15 minutes a day in unity together for the same things. And last week we focused on our family. This week we're going to focus on the church. Next week we're going to focus on uh, on our nation. Uh, but it's just been an awesome thing. And Tuesday, uh, we had our through the course of the three weeks we're having, every Tuesday, um, last Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, and next Tuesday uh, at 7 o'clock, we're going to have corporate prayer in here. And uh, last Tuesday we had over 100 people show up to pray. And I think Joseph may have mentioned that, but it was just an awesome, just an amazing thing. And, and I do want to say this because I, I think that this is important, something the Lord laid on my heart. On Tuesday, I was back there in the corner, and I was praying. We brought in a special band to, to lead us in worship, and uh, they did a, a fantastic job. And uh, they were just singing the song, um, uh, uh, You're Welcome, Holy Spirit. And you know, we were just, just, everybody was engaged, and we were just worshiping. And the Lord reminded me of a moment that I had uh, with God um, several years back uh, when, when I first became the pastor of Harvest Cove. And we had a, we had a prayer night on a Friday night. Um, in the in the warehouse where we uh, used to be, and there on that night seven people came, and there was some it, it was uh, some key people um, in the church, and uh, most of those people are still here today. And and uh, and and I prayed, and in the middle of that that prayer night, I remember praying the prayer, of God uh, bless us with so many people who truly are seeking Your face that on prayer nights that we could have over a hundred people. And that was just, I remember that was just a prayer that I prayed, and I completely forgot about that until Tuesday night I was standing back there in the corner, and the Lord reminded me of that, and I felt like the Lord just said, even when you forget your own prayers, I never forget your prayers. And I looked around, and I started counting, and then that's how we came with 110 of us standing in here, not to mention the people who came and helped with kids and everybody else. So I just want you to understand and believe with your heart that God is truly with us, and He's in this, and He's doing something amazing. And uh, who's been engaging with us in prayer uh, throughout the last week? You know, even if you haven't been doing it, just... You can clap. Yeah, prayer's awesome. Prayer's awesome. It's just been, it's been a cool thing. And so today we're, we're going to come in, and it's going to be, the, the last few weeks have been a little bit different. Today's going to continue to be a little bit different. Um, but, you know, sometimes different is good. And, and I, I, we just, this week, as we pray, we're going to concentrate our, our prayer on the church, the Big C Church, and then our church as, as a whole, as Harvest Cove. And um, throughout this process, as we talked about the nation, and we talked about the government, we talked about the culture, it's so easy for us, and we've said this from day one, it's so easy for us to look in and blame evil people. It's so, to look in and blame godless people. It's so easy to look in and blame a politician. We're all really good at that. If you don't believe me, check Facebook. Well, it's all really good to look in and say whose fault this is. In fact, as I look into politics and I look into the world and the culture, that's pretty much the name of the game is blame somebody else all the time for everything. It's always somebody else's fault. It's, it's never our responsibility. But as I was praying about this series and I was praying about this season of our church, uh, I, one of the main and primary points that I felt like the Lord really put on my heart um, is that it's not the, uh, the sinner's fault. It's not the culture's fault. It's not the world's fault that we are in the state we're in right now because the church at some point along the lines quit being the church, right? We quit being the church. And, and if, we, if we had to pick one group of people to blame, I would have to blame us. I would have to blame the preachers and the teachers and the prophets and the, and, and, and the, and the church, the people who, who at some point we became so engulfed in modern American religion uh, that we forgot or stopped or for whatever reason never knew we were supposed to be the things that God was called us to be. And that's the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And, and we are called to do a thing in this world. And it's an amazing thing. We have a very distinct purpose, but sometimes along the line we quit doing that thing. And I think that when we quit being the light of the world, what happens when the lights go out? 
darkness takes over. And I think that's what's happened. I don't think it's, I don't think it's the culture's fault. That's not going to get a lot of claps. I know that. Nobody's like, it's my fault. Yay! Yeah. It's our fault. And so this week, I, and I was really praying, and you know, I get, I get one, one message on the church, you know, uh, to, 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 uh, for us to kind of be the foundation, the heart of us praying. The Lord really laid very strongly a few weeks ago on my heart this message I'm going to preach today, and, 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 and I'm going to lay a little foundation like this. So here's what I say, and, and I want, please, please hear my heart on this. I'm not condemning any other churches. I'm not, I'm not condemning any other denominations. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything like that. I'm not looking in and saying that's what's wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm going to tell you what I, I feel like has happened in our, in our country, uh, in our modern American Christian system, what has happened. And, and I don't know that it's the most effective thing, so I'm just going to say this out loud. So th- this is what I think. I think that we have created a culture where the end success of the church is the amount of people who come to the church on Sunday morning. All right, right. Because you look in, you look into our church, and you say, "Hey, we had more people than we did three years ago, so we're successful and we're effective." And then you compare us to a church that has more people, and you say that those people, because they have more people coming into their church on Sunday mornings, that those people are more effective than we are. Right, right. We say that. That's what we say. Okay. And so what we what we feel like, what when, what we generate when we have this kind of mentality is is it a lot of it comes back to getting people in the seats, and a lot of that comes back to, to one or two people that a successful or a, a effective church is built around primarily and usually the pastor and the, the primary teacher and the primary communicator, the face of the organization. And, and what happens is, is if, if that guy or that, that, whoever that is, if, 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 if they can be effective and if they can teach and if they can get the people coming and if, they, if they're good enough and they relate enough and they do their thing and it's cool enough and the Sunday morning experience is cool enough and they do that, then people will keep coming and people will keep coming and the church will grow and then we'll, and then we'll have a thing. Well, here, here's the problem with that system. And, and this, I think, is the primary system of most of the most successful churches in the country. And again, I think that there's a lot of these churches are effective and I think a lot of them are successful and I think a lot of the people lives are changing. I'm not condemning anything, but I do want to say a thing, is that in, in America, we are so focused on today that we don't even think about tomorrow usually. And the, and the problem with, with the modern American church system is that even if they are in, in, in every way, shape, and form extremely successful and extremely, as soon as whoever that one or two people that the organization is built around falls into sin or dies or goes away or goes on an extended vacation, what happens to that church? It crumbles. There's multiple churches in, in Charlotte, just in Charlotte right now, that were running 5,000, 6,000, 10,000 people, and they built these big buildings, and they did this great thing, and it was an awesome thing, and they're going to be there forever. The problem was that they were all built around one man. When that one man retired, got old, and died, now most of those churches can't even, make, can't even pay payments. They're in debt because they, they've, they've extended themselves because it was all about that coming. And I want you to just think in your mind about the most successful churches in America, and I want you to ask yourself this question. If that one person that disappeared, if that one person that was ahead of it, if he was gone, if they were gone, if she was gone, if it was gone, how would that ministry go on without them? The answer for most of them is they wouldn't. Right? And so I feel like the Lord has put this on my heart so strong at a young age so that we don't create the same machine. Because it's not about me. It's not about one man. It's not about one gift. It's not about that. that. That's not what makes us effective as a whole. I can't change the world. Even if I was the greatest at what I do in the history of existence, if that were tr- statement were true, if I was truly the greatest part in existence, I cannot change the world. It was never meant to be that way, period. But that's how we act. In so many ways. And so I feel like the Lord put this on my heart because this isn't, the, this isn't a problem that just showed up today. Right? This isn't an issue that just showed up today. The second thing, the reason is when it becomes all about one person or one man or one group of people doing their thing is that now everybody else is, what is your only job? Show up and take part in the one man's gift. Put money in the plate. Show up on a regular basis. Don't go on too many vacations. Don't miss too many Sundays. Church will keep growing. We all move on. Life goes on. Right? Right? That's reality. You might not like it. You might not want to say that. You're thinking, not me, but like, but that's the, for the most part, that's the reality. And Paul says, you're incredibly ineffective. And so Paul goes on this little rant through 1 Corinthians chapters, really 11, 12, 13, and 14. And we're going to concentrate big time on 12, uh, and, then, and then next week a little bit on 13 and, and 14. But I, it's a lot, 
And I'm going to go through it. I'm going to read it. We're just going to read it together. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to teach it. And, and the foundation of what he's saying here, and he's beginning to lay this groundwork, what he began to see, see, when he showed up to an area and he was teaching and he was preaching and he was planting churches and he was doing his thing and he was discipling and that the, the many people were coming to know Christ by the hundreds and by the thousands uh, and, and God was doing his thing and Paul was raising up leaders and it was all great and it was awesome. And then Paul would move on to the next place to do it again. And then he would turn around and look back and everything that was so successful and everything that was going so well and everything that was growing and every lives were changing, all of a sudden they weren't doing that anymore. The church started shrinking. It started dying. They were becoming ineffective. They started to disappear. And so then he started having to write letters and then he started having to go back and then he started having to send people back. And so Paul started to tell everybody, he started to teach everybody a couple principles that I think will change, honestly, will change the long-term effectiveness of our church. I think that, that we don't understand the amount of people that God has called us to reach. I really don't believe we do. But I know in my heart until we get what Paul wants us to get this morning that we'll never be able to reach out to the fullest extent of what who God's called us to be. Does that make sense? And so he begins to give you a little bit of a foundation because there's so much scripture. I just want to read this. He starts talking about gifts, gifts that you have a gift, I have a gift. He starts talking about gifts. And then he, he picks up right here. And this is where we're going to start. We're just going to read through it uh, kind of quickly. And I'm going to go back. I'm going to pull four points out. They're super simple. They're not going to change your life. Actually, they will probably change your life, but they're just, they're not complex. I'm not a genius. This is just the Bible. It's very simple. When you hear it, you're not going to be impressed. But I believe if you hear it and you accept it as reality, that it could effectively change your life forever. So do this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting with verse 7. Now to each one, he's talking about gifts. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits or discernment, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Starting on verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, it would look really weird, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. Skipping down to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, the gifts of healing, helping, guidance, and different kinds of tongues are all apostles. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater, the greater gifts. Okay. You guys ready to go? Your life changed? All right. Was that the most scripture I've ever read in one sermon ever? The answer is yes, because I went back and looked. All right. But I want you to understand the fullness of this. I want you to understand the fullness of this. So I'm going to go back, and I'm going to start off just the first one. We're going to pour full, four main points out of this, and it's super simple, and it's super easy. And then we're going to, and I'm going to take this off because I don't know if the, if the heat went off or the heat came on or if I'm just really hot, but I'm about to faint. So I'm going to take this off. I'm going to pat that down, and we're going to put it over there. He says this. He says, now to each one. In uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, it's now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. He's talking about gifts. Okay, so this is what he says. He says, I want you to understand, so I want everybody to listen to me. This is going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. Absolutely, astoundingly, it's going to blow. you're going to be shocked. You can, in fact, you can just leave and never come back because this is the last thing you're ever going to hear. The Spirit of God has given you a very distinct gift of the Spirit. You possess that within you. All right, he says, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Manifestation just means, it's kind of a weird word. Manifestation just means it brings to light or it exposes something that already exists with inside of you. 
Right, so he says the Spirit of God, when you, become, when you put your faith in Christ and you become a believer, you become a follower of Christ, the Spirit of God dwells inside of you and that Spirit will manifest itself or expose or bring to light a gift that he has given you and that gift that he has given you is for what? The common good. So each one of us has what? Gifts, at least one gift. Now some of us have a lot of gifts. These are the people that we don't like, right? Right, let's just be honest. These are the people we're like, oh, that's really good. You can do that too, yay. Right? These are people who are jealous of. Some people are just blessed beyond blessing with a whole bunch of gifts. Right? But every single one of us have at least one gift. One gift. And there's dozens and dozens of gifts of the Spirit that show up in the New Testament. There's the gifts of administration. There's the gifts of leadership. There's the gifts of discernment. There's the gifts of wisdom, gifts of knowledge, gifts of helping, gifts of serving, gifts of giving. Right? There's tons of gifts. There's tons of different gifts. There's teaching and there's preaching and there's prophets and there's, there's all kinds of gifts. There's gifts of miracles and there's all kinds of gifts. Dozens and dozens and dozens of gifts. And I want you to understand something about you. You possess at least one of those gifts. And that gift that you possess, it comes from the Spirit of God. Meaning that what you possess inside of you comes from the Spirit of God and it's there for a very distinct purpose and a very distinct reason, primarily for the common good of who? People the church, the kingdom, the culture, the world, all people. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to turn these truths in, and we're going to turn them around, and we're going to say them about me, and we're going to say them out loud, all right, because you guys aren't being very active, and I want you to be active, so we're going to say this out loud. I want you to say what we just learned. God gave me a gift to give everyone. I want to say it on three. One time, all of us together. One, two, three. God gave me a gift. God gave me a gift to give to everyone. You have to accept that. Do you accept that? Raise your hand. If you're a believer in Christ, all right, boom. You're on the hook. Now you have a responsibility. All right, so he goes on. He says the second thing. So he, and so he starts, and I want you to understand, we all have a gift. It comes from the Spirit of God. We possess that. And then Paul does the thing that Paul normally does, um, and he does a whole bunch of run-on sentences, which is why it took us 77 verses to say something very simple. He, seven, like he goes through and he starts giving an analogy of the body, the human body. All right, I'm going to make a phone call really fast. Hang on. I'm not calling Jesus. <laughs> you guys having a good week? Hello? Hey, you ready? Yeah. Well, come on. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Just trying to figure out what we're doing for lunch when he gets down here. Obviously, this is coming into play, guys. <laughs> Don't act like you didn't see it coming. So Paul starts, he starts talking about a body. And this is what he says right here. He says, just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. So he starts doing this. He starts doing this analogy. This Paul's like the king of analogy. He starts doing this analogy. He says, I want you to understand something. He says, the human body is one body. Me, Jordan, me. I'm one body. I'm, one. I'm not two bodies. I don't have a split personality. I'm not psycho. I'm me. I'm one body. But within me, there's a whole bunch of different parts that make me up, right? I've got my little fingers, jazz fingers. All right, I've got my hands, I've got my shoulders, I've got my bicep, I've got my legs, I've got my feet, I've got everything. I'm, I'm one body, but I have all kinds of different parts on my body. This conversation could get pretty awkward, but we're not going to go there, okay? Paul does. Keep reading. I skipped over that so nobody gets offended. But I want you to understand. Paul says, listen, there's, there's so many different parts of the body, and they're all important. But he starts to talk about something. He says, oh, listen, I want you to understand this thing about this part of the body is that, that the body, it literally functions as one, but it, there's so many different pieces. And he says, so it is with Christ. All right? So it is with Christ. So that means that the body of Christ or the church, you guys, right, you are a small part of one body. I'm a small part of one body. And I want you to understand this, is that what we tend to do in, 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 this, in this season of, of America, in this culture, right, with all, the way that we do Christianity, with the way that we do the church, is we have what we call Christian rock stars that show up, right? Don't we? Let's just be honest. It's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm saying we, and so what tends to happen is we show up and we're like, you know what? They're like 99% of the body and then the rest of the churches, and some of them think that. Some of them think that, that they're 99%. Listen, but here's what I want you to understand is I... Myself, Jordan, the pastor, the teacher, the preacher, this role, I, my role, my position is just one small part of the overall body. And you are part, one small part of the overall body. You can come in and come out here. This is Scotty. 
What's up, buddy? You doing all right? Scotty has been uh, powder on me. Scotty's been back there warming up because I'm going to ask him to do a thing here in just a minute. In fact, you can go ahead and you go ahead and go get started if you want to. Just don't get hurt. You girls are beautiful. I'm going to ask you to get up and walk right over here and sit down just on the in case that this shoots off and kills you. <laughs> Is that okay? Beautiful. Give them a hand. Yes, give them a hand. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, so listen, this is one small part of the body. And this is what you understand about lifting weights is, is that it's heavy. All right, but they're all, you ever seen these guys, you ever seen these guys, and I, and I want you to, I want you to, you ever seen these guys, and no offense if you are one, because there's a few here, they look like they bench press every single day of their life, right? But, if, if, but they wobble because their legs can't even hold up their body. Okay, they're like, yeah, I can bench press 500 pounds, but I could literally blow you over, all right? Now, would you say that that person's effective? No, right? Because the body, why? The body's just not the chest muscle. The body's the whole thing. There's so many different parts to the body. There's so many different parts to the body. In fact, when Scott's doing this deal over here, he's got his right, right now, he's holding on to it with his hands. He's picking it up. He's engaging his legs, his back, his hip. He thrusted it, which is kind of weird. He put it up on his, and he lifts in his shoulders. And there's so many different bodies. There's so many different parts of the body being used. All right? You guys can give him a hand clap for that. That's awesome. It's impressive. So this is what, this is why he's doing that. This is what I want us, I want us to get to this because I'm, I'm driving to a point. Paul's driving to a point. This is the next truth that I want us to accept right here. God made me a small part of a big body. All right, we're going to say it together on three. One, two, three. God made me. All right, so what are the two truths that we have? We know that we have been given gifts by the Spirit. We possess gifts in us that are good for all common good. And now we are a small part of a big body. He goes on to say this. He goes on to say this in uh, fifth, verse 15. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. This is incredibly important. I'm going to let him do one. All right. So if you don't already know this, he's strong as an ox. All right, so the thing is, and what it's saying is, and he goes, it's very specific, and I want you to hear this, it's very specific. Every single body part is placed just exactly where God wants them to be. All right, so Scotty over here, just imagine his feet in a different place. Because Paul's using this, Paul's using this. Just imagine him set up here, and just if you can imagine his hands switching places with his feet. All right, what does he look like besides a freak? What does he look like? A freak. Could he even stand up, let alone lift all this weight, right? Because everything, just, just imagine, let's just imagine, take one of his fingers and just imagine that it's right here on his cheek. Just, I mean, guys, I want you to visualize this just for a second. I told you it was going to be different. Just imagine a finger growing out the side of your face. Do you date? Did God call you to live a life of loneliness? Because you have a finger coming out the side of your face. Right? But on the human, when God has his way, on the, on the human body, every single part is exactly where it is. Why? By accident? For a very distinct purpose. Does that make sense? And it gives him the power and the ability to do what God has called you to do. Right now, this is all the weight that we have. Scott's going to do it one more time. Hundreds. If he gets hurt, we don't have any money, you can't sue us. I made him sign the friendship clause. Oh, he's not done. Just hang tight. Hang tight. Give him a hand. One more hand. One more hand. Thank you. When the human body, and I want you to hear me, when the human body and all of, its, all of its small parts and its big parts, and when all of it is engaged in once, you can do something like that right there. Okay, that, that you, can, you can lift hundreds of weight, you can lift hundreds of pounds above your head. You can just be amazing. You can just do amazing things. And this is what he, and this is what he says. Everything is, is exactly where it's supposed to be for a very distinct reason. And I want us to go ahead and I want us to say, this is the third thing. I want you to say this before we move on. 
I am exactly where God placed me. I'm exactly where God placed me. On three, we're going to say this. I am exactly where God placed me. I forgot to count the three, but you guys did a good job anyway. <laughs> we're going to go one more time. On three. I want everybody to say it. One, two, three. Okay, so this is the thing, and I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. God has given you a gift. We've, we've agreed to that. From the Spirit, the Spirit manifests itself in us in the form of a gift. That gift is, is, the, is for the use and the purpose of the common good for everybody, for the church, for the kingdom, for the culture, for the world. All right? That you are not an individual, but you are one small part of a body, of a big body, of a bigger body. And that you are specifically you right now in this moment, in this season of your life, right now, this very second, you are exactly where God has placed you with that gift and with that purpose. I don't want you to hear that. You hear that? I now want to play a game. Because Paul, this weight that you just did, if we were, there's a muscle in your leg right here called a Tiberius. Yeah, that's close. You physically cannot, just get really close to my face. Okay. You ready? Go. You cannot. Squat without your. Can't do anything with it. Without your interior tibialis. There you go. <laughs> Did we almost kiss? Yeah. <laughs> right. So there's this, there's this little bone in here. Now, just raise your hand if you've ever heard of that. <laughs> All right, four or five of us. We got four or five liars in this place. You ever heard of that? <laughs> I believe you. You're a marathon runner. I believe the rest of you. All right, so, so let's just say, so you can, if you were to go in there and I would say, Scott, I want you to do the same thing, but I don't want you to engage that muscle. Could you do it? You'd follow. Okay. So, so let's, not, let's do something a little bit more common. Just your foot. Could you go over there and you could just stop using one foot and do that weight? No. Okay, just one hand. Could you do that with just one hand? Engage every other muscle in your body with just one hand. Doubtful? Yeah. So let's just go. What about if it was just, just your pinky and your thumb? Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. How much do you think you could do just with just your three fingers? No, no pinky, no thumb. Every, every other part of your body, the big parts, the shoulders, the legs, every, the strong parts, all that. Could you stick, what, what do you think that you could do? Half? Okay. All right. So we got, listen, we got an expert witness. All right, half that. All right, you're good, man. You can go. Unless you want to try to do that one-legged. You good? Thank you so much, man. Love you, brother. Give me a hand. Taylor, you can go ahead and come up here. So th this is the thing I want you. I want you to. I want you to go back really fast, because Paul's given this analogy, and I just felt like that. I just felt like the Lord laid this on my heart to do this, so that we could fully see what Paul's talking about here. Because Paul's delivering one of the most impactful truths for genuine effectiveness and success as a church as a whole. He says, everybody has a gift. It's given by the Spirit. And we are all a small part of a big body. And we're placed exactly where we are in this season of our life. Exactly. And when we're all working together, doing our thing, we can do some pretty impressive things. Paul goes on to say this. He, he goes through this little part where he talks about the weaker and the little, the ones that aren't seen a lot. And then he comes to this one statement. He says, on the contrary, he goes, you think those little ones are weak. He said, but I'm going to tell you something else. The parts of the body that seem to be weak are actually indispensable. All right? The parts of the body that seem to be weak, they're actually indispensable. All right? Do you know what the word indispensable means? Can't be done without it. So here's what I, here's what I want you to know. And this is the hardest. This is the one very simple thing the Lord has laid on my heart for this church. I think that we've done some pretty awesome things in this house. I think that God has done some pretty amazing things in this house. I think that God has used us. I think that God has used uh, the preaching from me and from Joseph and from our other teachers who teach on Wednesday night and our life group leaders. I think God has done some awesome things through some of the faces. I think the worship band has just become astronomically amazing. I think that God has done some amazing things through them. And I'm going to tell you something. I think that God has done just some cool things in our church, man. I mean, we, we, we've grown exponentially. I mean, we've got like 450 chairs in here now. And it's summertime and we're supposed to be shrinking. But we're still growing. 
I mean, God's just doing some amazing things in this house. But here's what I want you to understand. We are nowhere close to doing what God has called us to do. We are nowhere close to reaching the potential that we have. I believe that God has called us to reach tens of thousands of people. I think that God has called us to change culture, to alter the way the world is going, to bring lost and helpless and hopeless people into the shining light of Jesus Christ. That's what I believe. But here's what I want you to understand, and this is Paul's overall main point is, he said, you can do a lot. If I come up here and I preach my heart out and I do my job and I play my part, man, we can do some things. And if, and if the leadership, if they lead and they come up and they do their thing, man, we can do some things. And if the band and Taylor and all those, and they come up in the media and they come up and they do their things, man, we can do some things. But here's what I'm telling you right now. No matter what we could do, it's nothing compared to what God wants us to do through every other person in this house. You hear me? Church is not, the, the fullness of what God has called us to do is not for you to come sit in a chair and listen to me preach for the next 50 years. What happens here on Sunday morning, you don't know my role? My role is to come in here and to teach and to preach and to, and to act as the prophet, to know the mind of God and to speak forth the mind of God into your lives, to equip you so that you can go out in the world and do the things that God has called you to do. All right, that's what an effective church is. An effective church is when every single person, they understand exactly who they are. They understand that God has given them a very specific gift. They understand that God has made them a small part of the big body. They understand that God has placed them exactly in this place at exactly this time for a very distinct reason and a very distinct purpose. And that we have been called to reach tens of thousands of people. But we cannot reach those people if every single one of us are not playing our role and not playing our part. The thing that you don't understand about you is you don't understand that you are indispensable to the things that God has called this church to do. You are absolutely 100% indispensable. We cannot do it without you. We cannot reach the world without you. You have within you something that nobody else has. You have within you a distinct purpose that nobody else has. When God birthed you into this world, he planted inside of you seeds of gifts and talents and abilities that God has called you to use to change the world. And I want you to hear me. He did not give you those gifts so that you could go out into the world and succeed in the world and succeed in the kingdom of the world. He gave you those gifts so that you could sing in the kingdom of God. See, what you do is you take the gifts that God has given you and you go out into the culture and you are successful by using the gifts that God gives you. But when you come into the church, you sit on the pew and you ignore what the Spirit of God wants to use you for in the house of God. Right? That's what we have. We have a ton of extremely gifted people sitting down idle, not doing and not using the gifts that God gave them for the sake of His kingdom and for His church. You're indispensable. And just like Scotty could get this much weight above his head, but if he just started disengaging, just as something as small as a pinky, something as small as a thumb, something as small as a small part in your leg, he couldn't do anything close to what he could do. That's how we are. And here's the thing that scares me the most, is we will not know the people that we don't reach because you don't get your butt out of your seat and do the things that God called you to do. We won't ever know. I think one day when we get to heaven, there'll probably be something along these lines as we're walking around. God will just let us know and look and say, hey, man, you were supposed to reach that person. Hey, man, you were supposed to reach that girl. Hey, they really needed that. Hey, they really needed you. And God's going to say, why did you take the thing that I gave you and go out and make all that money? Where's that money now? It's nowhere to be found. I gave you that gift so that you could succeed and you could build up my kingdom and my house for my glory and my honor. You don't have to clap. But I promise you, no matter what you believe, you will stand before Jesus Christ one day and he will hold you accountable, not for the things you did, but also for the things that you did not do. We are an unstoppable force when we are united. There are people that only you can reach that I can never reach. There are prayers that only you can pray that I can never pray. There's things that only you can give that I could never give. There's gifts that you possess that I will never possess. But I'm telling you, if you're sitting in this house right now, you're exactly where you're supposed to be for a very distinct reason and a very distinct purpose. I want you to ask yourself this question. Who aren't we reaching? 
Who aren't we reaching? Because you're not stepping up and stepping out. You put all these points together, it comes down to this this one very distinct truth. And I want us to read this, and I want us to read it together. And I want us, if you mean it, I want you to proclaim it as reality in your life because I believe that it is. It's this right here. Let's go to the next one. I'm going to read it through myself. I am a small part of a big body, but I am indispensable because God has placed me exactly where I'm supposed to be and gave me a gift and a purpose to be used for the good of all people. And the body isn't as strong or effective without me. That's Paul's primary point in these scriptures. Now, if you mean it in your heart and you believe this reality, I want three, I want all of us to say this together. I am a small part. Come in. One, two, three. I am a small part. I'm telling you right now. Y'all know me, man. I'm just me. I'm telling you right now. I'm putting this out there. I believe with all of my heart there's going to be campuses and churches planted all over this community and all over this nation and all over this world. And it's going to be birthed out of this house. I believe that with all of my heart. But we cannot and we will not do that if we do not all accept the reality of who we are we are the body of Jesus Christ and although in recent modern history the mouth, the preacher, the pastor he's up front it is not dependent on me it's not dependent on anybody that comes behind me it is dependent on those people who decide and know in their heart that they are called to change the world through the power of Jesus Christ and that they will continuously and always use the gifts that God has given them to change the world. It's not, it's not good preachers that change the world. It's the body of Christ that changes the world. And here's the thing, and I, I, want, you, I want you to believe this and I want you to accept this in your heart and in your mind. The reason that it's our fault that our nation is in the state that it's in is because somewhere along the line, a preacher and a teacher, a pastor and a prophet began to teach his people, the only thing we expect of you is to come to church. But what I'm telling you as your pastor is the only thing I expect of you is to lay down your life as a living sacrifice for the Christ that saved you. Anything less is not acceptable. You hear me? It doesn't cost you something. It'll cost you everything. Christ gave up his life for us. Saved our souls. Forgive us for our sins. We owe him everything. Not Sunday morning from 10.30 to 12. We owe him everything. Everything. And I want to I give you an example of what this looks like. Because I thought in my, in my mind, I said, you know, I'm going to say this. And people are going to be like, well, you? well, I'm not a preacher, so what do I do? I'm not this one. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you this. I'm going to read to you. I'm going to read to you something. I'm going to show you what this looks like when you were using your just your counts and your abilities for the sake of God's kingdom and his glory out there. And he didn't know I was going to do this, and he's probably going to be mad at me, but I don't really care. But Scotty, the guy who just came up here and did this, he put something on his Facebook a few weeks ago, and this is a reality that all of us know. If you know him, you know this about him. But I wanted to read this to you because I, want to, I, I think that Lord put in my heart that this is the perfect example, the perfect example of somebody who lives and walks and understands who they are, understands this reality in their life. I just wanted to read this. Uh, and then I just want to talk about it just for a minute. Um, 
He said, I'm not usually, this is Scotty. I'm not usually one for posting. If you don't know Scott, Scott's a manager of the gym right up here up the road. A lot of us uh, go there. A lot of people have come to the church and found Christ and got there through that doorway. So it's just one thing. I'm not usually one for posting much of anything. This is Facebook, but felt led to share this. 2012, God saved me. And in the midst of that, I remember telling him I'd be willing to go wherever he called me, but that I really wanted to run and or own a CrossFit box one day. That's super spiritual, isn't it? CrossFit. At that time, I was a sophomore in college. Not even three months later, my boss approaches me and tells me he wants to open up a CrossFit box and he wanted to know if I would run it. Of course, I accepted and wrote in my affiliate application that I wanted people to be able to enjoy God's creation and ultimately see the light of Christ. It's now 2016 and many mornings as I drink coffee, I pray for the people of our gym and people who will come in the future. I've prayed for God's presence to be known and for God to save lives from physical issues, but ultimately I've prayed that he'll awaken souls, something that I and all humans are powerless to do. I can honestly say I've seen that prayer answered on multiple occasions. To sit in church, look around and see half of our affiliates sitting all around you, it's a, a feeling that can't be bought or hardly explained. To see people understand the gospel for the first time and to be baptized, it's truly a miracle. I'm just thankful I'm able to be along for the ride of what God decides he's going to do. And this is the thing, like, this is the thing I don't want you to understand. When I say you have been placed exactly where you've been placed, I don't mean your butt in that seat. I mean, you've been placed in this house exactly where you're supposed to be, and you've been placed outside of this house exactly where you're supposed to be. And what you don't understand, I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to be frank, I'm going to be honest, and I hope it offends you. What you don't understand is that the people around you that are lost and going and, and dying and going to hell, and you never one time reached out to them, do you think that that is going to go unaccounted for? Do you think that, that when God says, just like when God gave multiple parables in the New Testament, where he came up and he said multiple times, where he said, listen, I came and I gave you, literally, he says, I gave you one talent, five talents, and ten talents. What would you do with them? You came and you stuffed it in a hole, you didn't do anything with it? God said another time, I came and I gave you this, I, I gave you management of this area, and, and I come back and you haven't, you've mismanaged me, you haven't done anything with it. God says multiple times, we don't like to talk about it because that means we might have to do something, but God says multiple times, when I make my return, we will have a conversation, and I will ask you, have you managed what I've given you to manage well? Have you managed the people I put around you? Have you reached out to those people? Have you used your gifts? Have you used your talents? Have you been the church? Or have you just been going to the church? See, this is an example of somebody who says, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, but I've still been called to change the world. This church would be indispensable without Scotty. Every member of this band, except for Taylor, they work other places, they don't get paid. But these are people that say, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, but I'm called to change the world. All of our teachers, all of our leaders, all of our life group leaders, all I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, but I'm not the pastor, but I've been called to change the world. And you need to accept in your heart and in your mind, God is doing something amazing here. He's placed you here to be a part of it. You're not a pastor, but you've been called to change the world. And I believe with all of my heart that if we can just begin to attempt to be the things that God called us to be. God didn't say we have to do anything on our path. He just says, you just go, just be willing. Just be willing. I'll take care of the rest. You just step out in faith, and I'll take care of the rest. And here's my call to you this morning, ultimately, is this. You are called to change the world sitting in the seat and listening to me preach is not your calling in this life. Your calling in this life is through whatever God has given you to change the world with the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the churches that get this are the ones that change the world.
It's the ones that truly get this, that it's not about one man, it's not about one woman, not about one group, that it's every single person going outside of these four walls and being the light of Jesus Christ in the world that changes the world. It's when we quit doing that that darkness seeps into our culture. You are called to be the light of the world, a city on a hill, the salt of the earth, And God has gifted you, I've proven that to you, gifted you and placed you exactly where you're supposed to be. And I believe with all of my heart that if you step out in faith and you begin to do that, people will come to know Christ because of the things that you're doing in your life. I believe that with all of my heart. I just want to, I want to show hands really fast. If you came to this church because you knew me ahead of time and I invited you to come. Raise your hand. One, two, three. Now, if you didn't know me and someone else invited you to this church, raise your hand. Look around. That's what happens when a church is being effective when a church is reaching out and grabbing people and pulling them into what God wants to do in their life. Does that make sense? So it's simple. It's not complex. But I'm telling you right now, we cannot do what God has called us to do without you engaging in the life of this church. So this week, we're doing 21 days of prayer. We're going to keep that going. All the Last week we printed off like 200 of those sheets and they were gone in like five seconds. We printed out a lot more so you can have them. It is going to be on the blog. They're not going to be on Facebook every day, but they're going to be on the blog so you can go there. That's on the app. If you don't have the app, download it. And we're going to pray together. And today I, I want us to, to come together and I want us to start this prayer. Today we're going to pray for our pastors. Tomorrow we're going to pray for our leadership on Tuesday. Uh, we're going to pray for our families. On Wednesday, we're going to play for the next generation. On Thursday, we're going to play for the effectiveness of our church. On Friday, we're going to pray for engagement. And on next Saturday, we're going to pray for God to move the following Sunday. Okay? I want us to pray for that. And today, I would like us to start by praying for me, my family, Joseph and his family, and Taylor and his family. Because I believe in it, because I've lived through it, I believe that we are the most uh, I don't know, the biggest targets. I just feel like the devil just hangs out at my house a lot, honestly. I'm not being dumb. I just I feel I just feel like we just get constantly hammered. Um, and I want us to pray for this. And I'm going to tell you this, and I've, I've debated going back and forth, but I want you to know my heart. The message is over. We're transitioning to prayer. I believe with all my heart, the found, truly the foundation of this church is prayer. And usually once a year I'll get away for a few days and uh, just me alone with God this year it's going to be in a cabin in the woods as creepy as that sounds and uh, it's just going to be me and God I'm going to pray and I'm just going to spend some time with the Lord on the direction, long term direction of this church um, as the leader and as the shepherd and I'm going to do that this week I'm leaving this afternoon driving to a cabin in the woods and I'm going to spend this week with the Lord alone, no Wi-Fi. Just me and the Bible. And I want you guys to pray for me this week. And I'm telling you this, and I know I can't get into it right now, but there are some things coming in the fall and at the beginning of the year that are massive. They're massive. And I believe that God is about to do, he's already doing a thing, but I think he's about to do a thing. And I need ultimate wisdom, ultimate discernment, and direction from the Holy Spirit. And I, that's my primary thing this week I'm praying for. And so I want to ask you guys to pray for me this week too as we go through that. Is that okay? And I don't want to be selfish. And I promise on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, I'm going to be praying for all of you guys like I do every day. But today I just felt it for the first time really and, and since I've been a pastor. I've, I have felt led to ask you guys to come forward and pray for me and for Joseph and for Taylor. And Taylor's going to keep playing. The band's going to come up here in just a minute and if you need to go you can go you can go but we're going to worship we're going to, it's going to be a minute so if you need to go you need to I'm about to pray and you can take off
Uh, but uh, if, if this is your home church, you know, and you can wait another 45 minutes to eat, we're not, it's not going to be 45 minutes, then I'm going to get you to come up here and pray for me because I really, I need that. Because I'm not up here and you're down here. I, you're one small part of the body, I'm one small part of the body. Right? And I need your prayers. So can we do that this morning? I'm going to pray real fast. I pray the band's going to come up. And then right after that, I'm going to ask Joseph to come up. Taylor's going to keep playing. Um, and then I'm just going to ask the, the elders, the leaders, and anybody who wants to come up and just surround us and pray for us, uh, that we're just going to do that. And we're, just, we're in the middle of 21 days of prayer, and we're just going to pray. Is that okay? All right. Father God, I thank you so much, Lord. I pray, Lord, right now that you would just let your spirit and your presence rest in this house, God. I pray, Father, that you will allow in the deepest part of who we are this morning, God, that you allow every single believer in this room to know that they are one small part of a big body, that you have gifted them, Father, and that you have not just gifted them for a purpose, but you've called them to change the world, God. I pray, Lord, that you will raise up people who will engage this culture with that gift and that ability, Father. I pray, Lord, that you will raise up leaders, God, that you will raise up teachers and pastors. You will raise up helpers and servants and givers, God. You will raise up wisdom and, and knowledge. You will raise up people, Father God. I pray, Lord, that you will bless this house. I pray, Lord, right now that you will just consume us and God, for the rest of the service, just be in control, Lord. As awkward as it may be, God, I pray, Lord, that as, as, as our people come forward and pray for the pastors of this church, God, that you will bless us. I pray, Lord, right now that you will let your spirit and your presence rest in this house. In your name. So here's the thing. I, if you feel comfortable coming up here, normally I lead the prayers. So here's what we're going to do. Joseph's going to come up. We're all going to surround him. You can either stay in your seats. I would love for you to come forward, though, and put your hands on because the Bible says bring, bring people forward, lay your hands on and pray. I'm going to lead the prayer for Joseph, and then Joseph's going to lead the prayer for me. Is that okay? Can we do that? Is this weird? No, because it's biblical and there's power in it and we're going to do it. I don't care what you think about it, all right? So we're going to do it. If you feel led to come up here, come on. If you don't, stay in your seats. If you need to leave, go. Joseph, come on.